great. Three, two, one, go. Hey, it's Bibs from the Ginger Podcast. Uh, Ginger is away. Apparently, we're having a big storm, so he's he's hiding in his basement while I'm in my basement. Luckily, my basement has the recording stuff in it, so I can do this while we're down here. Um, I have the great honor that we have with us the founder of – it's called VinWiki, and we're going to get into what that is. It's kind of something if you're going, what is VinWiki? What's that mean? Well, we're going to get into everything. Ed Bullion, thanks for coming on. I um, want to introduce yourself to the audience and kind of explain who you are and, and, and what you're doing. Sure. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Ed Bolian, and I started Benwicky a couple of years ago. Now we've also got a YouTube channel where me and my friends sit around and tell our best car stories. But Benwicky is an app that's kind of designed to be a crowdsourced vehicle history reporting platform. So mm-hmm. you can think of us kind of like a social version of Carfax. Okay. Okay. And it kind of like is it almost? It almost looks like I was explaining to somebody. It's almost like social media for your car. Because like your car has a profile, not you necessarily, correct? Or like you, I mean, you would have a profile with it, but it's more about like the vehicles on it than it is the people. Right. It. Yeah. So we we let people contribute any information they want to any car by its VIN or by its license plate. So mm-hmm. over time, that constructs a social looking thing. I mean, you know, we're all familiar with Carfax. Fortunately, you know, there's there's a lot more out there, a lot more data that doesn't get captured. And, uh, and most of the time, it, it's not really right. And yeah. I've run into some of the issues that I've had cars that had that looked crazy, and they were brilliant cars to own and drive. And so this has been, you know, a, a fun project that kind of grew out of the, the ways that I sold cars. I was the director of sales at Lamborghini Atlanta for six years and had an exotic car rental company prior to that. So different cars I've bought, sold, owned, driven, things like that. Just, you know, it's good to be able to add to their history. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, it's cool. Cause I mean, I've bought in a lot of, I mean, majority of the cars I've bought and have been like, you know, at, you know, off somebody that you don't know. And you can, I'm, I'm a mechanic, so I can even look at them and like, look them over, but you're still basically like, well, I hope this is what it says it is. You know, like there's no way to really, and like you said, Carfax is great if it's been, worked on at dealerships or the place where it was worked on actually were re, like reported to it. I mean, I worked in independent shop for years and we never reported any, you know, it wasn't like, you know, right. we were like, we put a transmission in this car. I mean, we'd have people call us and say like, did you put a training in that car? And we're like, yes. Does it mean the warranty? Tra-? You know? So it's like, I think that's a great service. And as car guys in the car community, you know, it kind of needs that kind of taking it to the next level on the social media side or not. Yeah. So like social media side and kind of connecting everyone that way. Because I know from your car stories, it seems like there's, you know, people have been able to go, oh, I use VinWiki when I was looking at this car to see what it actually said. And I think that's a, that's cool. So right. what, um, like, what was your jump from, you were working at Lamborghini. So, I mean, that's, that's not like working for like, you know, the, like the corner used car lot. That's a pretty big deal to go, I'm going to leave working for selling Lamborghinis and I'm going to start my own company. How was that? Was that around the same time as you're doing the exotic car rental or is it, you know, after that no they were kind of in order so while i was while i had the rental car company you know it was 2008 9 10 and the, the economy was getting really bad and it was getting really really challenging to sell exotic cars mm-hmm. and it was starting to become something where you really did have to be sensitive to what these cars were costing the owners and most of the people that were selling cars at that time really didn't know how to do that they had sold cool cars that held their value well until they didn't. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as things started to depreciate and the market got all strange and financing dried up, 
They needed someone who had a little bit more of a grasp of the cost of ownership and some of the different ways to own interesting cars mm-hmm. than to just buy the latest, greatest, whatever. And so they had been courting me for a little while. And honestly, I thought it was a miserable sounding job to stand <laughs> in a showroom all day and sell exotic cars to aspirational people. But mm-hmm. in a moment of weakness, I agreed to do it at the behest of them and of my wife. because We'd gotten a little bit tired of the eroding quality of the customer base of the rental car company. <laughs> So I agreed to do it, and I thought it'd be a couple-year exercise to just kind of see how it was, and ended up doing it for a little longer. Did it for about six years, mm-hmm. but over time, you just sort of get tired of the hours and the politics, mm-hmm. and you know, there's only there's only so much sort of newfangled technology that I can stomach and enjoy as a car enthusiast. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, starting to get into these cars that had electronic steering and electronic transmissions and electronic everything and just thinking, you know, this is not what I love about cars. And when you combine that with having to be there for 70 or 80 hours a week and I just eh, got got over it. So I, I I knew it was going to be something else new. I really didn't know what that was going to be, but at the end of 2015, I, uh, I decided that was it. So Mm -hmm. I, uh, uh, just kind of left and you know, was looking forward to an early Christmas vacation and um, started to get together with some friends who like to spitball around entrepreneurial ideas, a lot of who were developers, including uh, Dave Black and Dan Wong, who went with me on the Cannonball Records setting drive. Okay. And we you know, looked at a few ideas and the one they liked the best and were interested in kind of coming on you know, as equity members to, to develop was Benwicky. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where we got started. Cool. Cool. So it was kind of just a jump, like, oh, extended holiday break turned into own business running. And so how that started, I mean, how is that, you know, from in 20, so in the beginning of 2016, when you started, you know, it was, was it a slow start or was it pretty, you know, like as doing that, you know, as we're going to, we're going to get into that a little bit. You mentioned the cannonball run being like in the car community, you were already starting to be kind of known and a person, you know, personality you would say with that. Was it, was it pretty easier? Did it, was it kind of a little bit of a process for people to understand what you were trying to do there? Oh, it's never easy. I mean, you know, we always think that you know, here's some cool idea and that the world's just going to embrace it and immediately start using it and blowing it up to the moon and back. But, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurism isn't that way necessarily. There are times when something you do will start to get a lot of traction or something will be or even just feel successful. But it's always a grind. And that's, mm-hmm. that's sort of the part, the, the thing that, you know, people don't know they're signing up for, maybe they didn't mean to sign up for, but at mm. the end of the day, it's just, it's just how it works and that's okay. It's something to, to embrace and expect. But I, uh, we started and, and built an app that we just really wanted to see people enjoyed and dealing with sort of the, the remnants of time and the marginal bandwidth that, that the guys that were building it had, and then mm-hmm. my ability to, to sell it and get new users. Mm-hmm. And so we, we launched and, and grew well. I mean, we got a few thousand pretty quickly and and they liked it they mm-hmm. used it a lot they used it in fact more than we thought they would i mean mm-hmm. an, an active benwiki user is posting a hundred times a day Whoa. which is interesting because <laughs> it just ingests so much data and uh-huh. and so many interesting things that wouldn't normally be captured i mean if yeah. a if a car you know is seen on the side of the road or uh, has some visible damage or is badged incorrectly or mm-hmm. is used in an amber alert or some crime, you know, somebody's going to post it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Now we've got over 85,000 users, most of which is due to the growth that we've had in our second year. And uh-huh. so at the end of the first year, we were kind of at this point with about 5,000 users that 
it was working and people liked it and it was fun and we were getting interesting information, but we were just so far away from any scale that was really going to be a valuable resource Mm -hmm. that, you know, we just knew it was going to take time. And we had done stuff on Instagram, we done stuff on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. And we put a few little informational videos out on YouTube, but never really put any time to developing a channel. Mm-hmm. But I had had friends of mine like Rob Ferretti and David Patterson and guys that had you know big YouTube presences either mention VinWiki or come test drive one of my cars and talk about VinWiki and what we do. And those always converted to a lot of good growth. And as an entrepreneur, you, you know, you never know what marketing tactic is necessarily going to work. Mm-hmm. You just have to throw enough lines in the water and see what bites. And so uh, we had this idea to just tell some car stories. And I knew that, you know, I had a few stories that I had kind of put together because not long before that, at the beginning of 2017, I'd released my book about the Cannonball record. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the stories that had happened along the way about preparation and car buying and selling had been in there. So I kind of had them all front of mind. So we just sat down with a camera and started telling them and um, just released a video a day and haven't stopped. Yeah. So now we've got about 310, 20 videos and about 80 million views. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been, been it, fun. We're going to, there'll, there'll be a link in the description to the YouTube channel. If you're, you don't have to be someone that's like, Oh, I want to like, like I, I got into it because it was literally like you know how YouTube will just kind of like say hey you might like this video and I think it was the one where they were talking about seventies like Le Mans racing and there was like a team that was like oh, yeah. involved with drugs and like just this whole crazy story and I was just like clicked on it like that looks interesting and like I said probably three hours later because I was working in my basement I was watching I'd watch like you know that many however long that many videos is and I was just going oh I, and so at that point I I learned about like I mean I knew about the Cannonball run I'd heard about it. I mean I'd seen stuff on TV but I saw the record stores and then the 2904 and like the more I got into it, I'm like man I want to know more about like and I, that's and that's I was like I was like I got to try and talk to this guy like this is there's like this is a wealth of like knowledge so I've been watching them and telling my buddies about like you got to get on this you got to see it so if you're not if you're at all interested in cars or just really interesting stories cuz you don't have to be a car person to like a good story and the- and that's been a fun thing is we get a lot of comments and people saying, yeah, you know, I got a lot of friends that like cars. I hear a lot about cars, but I don't really care anything about them, but mm-hmm. I still find myself being entertained here. And that's, that's great. Yeah. You know, that's what we like to hear. Yeah. I mean, they're, you're like the, all the guys you've had on there. It's like, there's the way they can thread the story. They're not just like, so we went on a drive and we drove across the country in 27 hours. <laughs> that was fun. It's like, you know, there's plot twists and it's, it's edited really well. And it's, it feels like. You're just like sitting around talking about cars. It doesn't feel like, you know, it feels really like genuine, which I like. Um, So we, we, we hinted around about it. So in 2013, you ran the Cannonball Run, which you've never heard about it. There was movies. It was a thing they did in the 70s. I'm giving the super like moron, <laughs> like, like this isn't even like, like cliff notes. They ran this race that would run from New York to L.A. every year, and it was like unsanctioned. I mean, it was... They all knew they were doing it, but it wasn't like, you know, they were doing it on their own. There was not real close, you know, on real highways, and it was kind of nuts. They stopped doing it in 79, right? That is correct. And then they redid a few ones in the 80s, but and there was movies that were made. And at that point, it was kind of like everyone was like, there's no way we can do this again. And so since then, there's been people that have tried to break the record. And in 2013, you attempted and broke the record. Kind of what was your plan? I mean, like... Was that something I know like in one of the videos again we're gonna to link to all this stuff. 
you said like it was actually a test run. Like, what was your thinking leading up to that? Like, when you decided with your buddies, we're gonna try and go for this cannonball run. Kind of ex- explain a little bit of that idea about you know what what made you think that. Well, like a lot of us, I, I was exposed to cannonball as a teenager mm-hmm. and just learned about this idea that there were people that went out there trying to see how fast they could drive across the country. And, you know, for all the Nürburgring lap times and zero to 60 times and quarter mile times that you get to read about in magazines, I was always kind of fascinated with what car could I really drive fast and enjoy in a very real world context. And mm-hmm. so the idea of long distance over the road racing as illegal as it obviously is <laughs> obviously enamors a lot of us. And uh-huh. I, I, I found out about it and started researching a bit and I was in high school back in 2001 to four. Okay. And that was right after Yates had released his book about it, which was really the first novel published context that anyone had, you know, for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was not fond of the U.S. Express because he was contractually prohibited from the movie deal from doing any more races. So Cannonball sort of evolved into one lab, which evolved into a lot less road stuff and a lot more track stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over the late 80s. And so I heard about it and I actually talked to Yates as a high school senior and told him that one day I wanted to set the record. And I'm sure he got that a lot, but he was cordial <laughs> enough to say, you know, good luck, kid. But I... uh yeah, it was it was one of these things that kind of was a long term passion project. It's a lot of different problems within a problem to solve, and I enjoyed that kind of multivariable equation approach to it. To say, well, I've got to deal with the car and the fuel and the route and the team and the everything else, the weather, the traffic, the cops, obviously, oh, all yeah. these sweet <laughs> countermeasures. And so all the things that it takes to be successful. Unfortunately, in that decade of preparation, Alex Roy and Dave Maher set the record. And Richard Rawlings and Dennis Collins claimed a record. So we had um, two kind of modern context runs. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, that gave me a lot more information to, to learn how it could be done, what it might take, what strategies might be useful, and how I could improve upon that. So it was a lot of fun and, you know, it took us a good while, but I never expected to be as successful as we were. And I certainly didn't expect it to work the first time, <laughs> but fortunately everything went as right as it ever could. And so, mm-hmm. We, uh, we did an October 19th and 20th of 2013 and 28 hours, 50 minutes. Jeez. That's still, I mean, that's crazy. Now, if somebody, now, it's been up there for five, like five-ish years now. Yeah, five years now. I can, I can do math. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. If somebody was to, uh, if somebody was to go out and break that record, how long would it be? How long would you sit until you went for it again? Would you let it sit for a few years and like kind of prepare again? Or are you going to be like going and getting the AMG fired up and like, all right, put gas back in it. We got to go <laughs> this time. We're no, not going to have the credit cards. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. We will solve that problem. No, it's honestly, I, you know, just being able to kind of be a part of that chapter of American automotive history mm-hmm. to me is plenty. I mean, I, I, I don't have this hope or goal or thought really of holding it forever. If someone mm-hmm. beats it, great. You know, I, okay. Um, I, I know it, it really upset Alex when we did and, you know, he was hesitant to comment initially and, and now, you know, we're good and we've, we've done drives together and things since then. But mm-hmm. I, I, to me, it's, it's been a very interesting fraternity of lunatics. I call it the people <laughs> who still care about cannonball and this idea. And, you know, when you start to really look at beating 2850 versus beating 3104, which was the target that I had to beat, mm-hmm. it's a very different equation because oh, you're yeah. talking about a 10 mile an hour higher average and 
knowing that really everything does have to go right. You know, with with current technology, which in the last five years hasn't really improved. I mean, certainly you can have a car with considerably more than the 500 horsepower I had, but Mm -hmm. you know, you can only go probably 650 to 700 before the fuel economy just renders it impossible. Mm -hmm. And so there's not some new technology and there are immensely more measurement tactics out there because the cost of deploying a speed camera in 2013 was 10 X what it is to deploy one today. And so you, you take more risks, and that goes with the territory, and I certainly knew who I was at that point as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't re- no one's really made uh, an attempt in earnest until last fall. Okay. There was a really cool Audi wagon with a three-liter diesel from Europe uh, that did it in, with 100 gallons of diesel on board, which is a really interesting concept because it's so much longer range than anyone had ever done. They were able to do it on one stop. Jeez. They ended up making a second because they were having fuel transfer issues, but mm-hmm. they, uh, they did it in 30 hours and 53 minutes, which is now the second fastest time mm-hmm. ever recorded. So really, really cool to see that happen. But I think their top speed on the run was 143. So, you know, some limiting factors there, but, you know, they had a lot of, a lot of fuel on board. That's, that's, that's insane to be like, their, their top, their top speed was only 143. Like around in these parts, like I took my dad's, my dad got like an 05 charger and it was like, he was all excited about it. And he got a Hemi, and I remember told him, like, I wasn't going to ride unless it was a Hemi. And he didn't let me drive it for, like, four months. And the first time I drove it, we went, like, a buck twenty-five because I was basically like, Dad, you don't, you don't beat on this. Somebody has to. And that, to me, I thought, like, <laughs> we're doing it. And I'm, like, straight up, like, I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to get arrested. Like, this is bad. And then, like, I watched these videos. I'm like, these – all these guys are like, yeah, we went on the highway. We are going, like, a buck sixty. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm going like around. I'm like I'm going like if I go like 15 over somewhere, I'm like oh I'm dead. I'm dead right now. Like there's no way. Well now I need the car I currently drive is not even getting 15 over the speed limit would be going downhill for four miles in order to you know make up for it. But yeah, so that's uh so that was the Cannonball Run. That was 2013. Like I said, somebody tried to run it last fall. Now since then you've run you've run different events that haven't been as uh well they've been high speed but not as like luxury or not as like you know classy we'll say with the uh, with the uh, 2904 tell tell a little about that because that is what the 24 of lemons has been a bucket list item for me like there was one in there's one there used to be one in chicagoland area yeah and we're about sure. three hours from there and we've a couple times been like trying to get a car together to go to it or i'm always like guys let's like let's build a car like we at one point we we're gonna build a double-headed grand prix to take there because we thought there that'd be go. hilarious because it would have two engines so we could blow one up and then the other one would take us to the finish but net, you know, nothing ever happened. But um, so it kind of was like you basically take the twenty-four hour lemons, which is racing for twenty-four hours in a garbage car, and you just say, "Let's go across the country <laughs> in, you know, thirty-five-ish hours." So uh, it, it kind of explain your experience there with the with the twenty-nine oh four. Sure. So not long after our run, I learned that there was another event, mm-hmm. and there was kind of a divergence. Of- interpretations of the spirit of cannonball and really in response to alex roy's run that was really a money no object shot at the the record they kind of said well we're not really sure we agree with that as the spirit of what gates had intended because when you looked at the fields and the times from the 70s generally a third to a half of the people in the field took it seriously and the other people were just out there having fun Mm -hmm. you know they were in rvs and (laughs) 
limousines and stuff like that and just out you know literally having a blast and some of them were old washed up race car drivers and some mm-hmm. were like you say tacticians that you know really were ready to go out loud mm-hmm. so i learned because i was contacted by the the guy that runs the 2904 john Ficara, who was actually telling that story of the whittington brothers that you saw first on our channel yep, yep. and it was it's it was absolutely inspired by the 24 hours of lemons where obviously there you can spend 500 bucks on a car and then an unlimited amount on safety updates. So their goal was a dollar a mile. And since the car is from San Francisco, rather than running to LA, they ran to San Francisco the first few times. Mm-hmm. And so 2,904 miles, $2,904 plus whatever you spend on safety related items. So they don't want people out there on bad brakes and suspension and tires and lights and things like that. So, that and sense. if you're going to put a fuel cell in, that doesn't count either because they don't want you to do that on the cheap. So let's not <laughs> blow up. Five boat tanks later. <laughs> exactly. It's like all these, you know, 24 hours of women's cars, $500 cars with $4,000 roll cages. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> you know, that is the game. That's probably why I haven't but, done it yet. <laughs> uh, exactly. So he kind of said, well, we've done this a few times, but well, I mean, if you wanted to come, I guess that'd be enough reason to do it again. And since even though, you know, I spent 50, 60 grand on the, uh, the attempt in 2013, um, that was, you know, probably less than 10% what Alex had spent on his run. So he still liked the approach and, you know, enjoyed our conversation. So I said, Hey, you know, if I could find something, cause I'd still like to continue solving the problems and finding ways to do it. You know, mm-hmm. if I can find some cool way to do this and find a car that's at least kind of like the CL 55 that we used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do. So I went car shopping and found a 12 owner two that salvage title frame damage airbags deployed non-running s55 amg from 2002 in vegas or actually in la because this woman had loaned it to her daughter to drive to hollywood and become famous but since it broke down she didn't become famous and it was stuck at a buy here pay here lot in west hollywood (laughs) so i (laughs) talked her down from five grand to 1500 bucks so that i'd have a little bit left to be within the budget and uh the hardest part was convincing her that i actually wanted to buy that car from 2500 miles away but fortunately i did and we got it back and uh, we got the thing running and so we won the 2015 running of the 2904 uh with a time of 32 hours and five minutes so we beat not only everyone in the field but the previous record that alex roy had beaten in 2006 from the 1983 u.s express 32 hours seven minutes had still kind of stood as the fastest time in any recorded competitive mm-hmm. New York to LA event. Mm-hmm. And so our time kind of became that. So that's not, I mean, you know, they're all pretty unofficial records. It's yeah. not like Guinness is out there officiating. <laughs> you just kind of have enough proof and tell people who care. Yeah. And so, um, so we, we did that. And then in fact, there's another event Ooh. that's kind of a spinoff of that called the C2C express. And it's okay. organized by a guy from New Zealand. And it is um, similar, except that the cars, in addition to being cheap, have to be period correct. So Ah. they have to be kind of consistent with the cars that were driven in Cannonball. Um, Ah. And so in 2016, uh, I I went with another guy I had competed with in the 2904 and 15, Arnie Toman, who uh, was one of the co-founders of AMS Performance in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we took his 1974 Dodge Monaco Bluesmobile. Ooh. And so we dressed as the Blues Brothers <laughs> and um, 
did uh, won that event with a time just over 34 hours. So the uh, last year in 2017, uh, both of those events were run concurrently, and it was still going to be the last running of the 2904. So I had hoped to take uh, a car that I'd bought earlier that year, but unfortunately it wasn't ready. So uh, I found in 1985, Brumos Audi, who the owners of which were friends with Brock Yates, they made a Brock Yates Cannonball edition of the 85 4000 S Quattro. And Yates signed the trunks of all of them, and they had special seats and a special steering wheel and some other fun stuff in them, you know, kind of your normal chintzy dealer installed mm-hmm. package of stuff. Mm-hmm. But obviously to a guy like me, that's a fantastic novelty oh, yeah. at this point. So I couldn't find any evidence of them until one day I stumbled upon a forum post on Audi World where two guys were talking about having them. One of them was in Seattle and said he still daily drove his, and the other guy said his has been parked in his garage for about 15 years in um, Lansing, Michigan. So obviously I tried to get in touch with both of them and was able to uh, eventually, after about a year of them not answering, get in touch with both. And it turned out that the guy that had the car in Seattle had only 275,000 miles on it. He bought it new in Atlanta. They sold six in Atlanta and six in Jacksonville. And... Uh, he still had it, loved it, and had no interest in selling it. But I was fortunately, after a good bit of time, able to talk the other guy into selling his. But mm-hmm. it was not terribly rusty, but very much not working because it had just been sitting around for yeah. so long. So mm-hmm. I couldn't resurrect it for last year, but uh, I've actually got it running now. And oh. I, I might, might have to make a, a 115 horsepower run across the country sometime this fall to redeem it and to celebrate five years of our record that might be that might take a few more hours than than, than 33 <laughs> i could be wrong it I, might take a tote strap yeah. for most of it, we'll as a say. guy as a guy who drives a 92 horsepower hyundai around as my daily driver i am in the boat of like oh we're gonna go on the highway now well hold on everybody we're just gonna go up this hill and get passed by a schneider truck <laughs> yes <laughs> yes it is <laughs> It is beyond embarrassing, especially since my wife drives my truck now. And I'm like, honey, you get the power stroke? Like, dang it, I drive more. I know. <laughs> but, yeah. but, yeah, that's uh, that's go. cool. I just, saw, I just saw some guys on social media, and it was uh, a guy who works for Hot Rod, and he was putting extra fuel tanks in the back of a, a, a Hornet. And I straight up was like, what is this, the 2904? And he, like, gave me this hint, like, or it was response that made me think that there was something else going on there. So I was wondering if there was still – any talks to do another one, or was last year the last run for good? You know, there's always talks about doing another one, but the they, they didn't really set out for us to go as fast as we did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember the the exclamations in response to our time when we, you know, sent it in the group chat when we'd <laughs> arrived at the Portofino, and it was, there were there were other teams that went very very fast that year as mm-hmm. well, and mm-hmm. so. They ended up adding a rule called the Bolian rule mm-hmm. to slow everyone down, saying that all the cars had to be OBD one or Ooh. earlier. So, and they no no more 2002 AMG cars had yeah. to be back to um, yeah. So so the, what we last year we ran a 1995 Cadillac Fleetwood Brougham limousine, Ooh, albeit not very quick. Oh yeah, I was gonna say very comfortable, but not not the quickest. Was that that would have been was that was that the four nine or was that was that that was that an old North Star? Because the four nines were like uh, bulletproof, but the North Stars are all kind of junk. <laughs> it was the it was the LT one, but it okay. was oh um, okay, uh, not a not, not a good one. Not, I think not it had a good about, one. Well, that was about 
300,000 miles on it. And I mean, goodness gracious, it was a gross thing. I, <laughs> I bought it the week before uh, we left and frantically, you know, went through as much of it as we could. And we still managed to run out of gas three times and lost the starter on the way up there and just endless amount of calamity. Yeah. But uh, but we made it. So well, that's part hopefully of the one day the Audi makes it across. Yeah, so the, the Audi should be fine. I mean, if you've made it across in an old Cadillac limo, and that era Cadillac limo, which is like the really like the oh, oh, yeah. oh, what is oh, what has happened in this thing? The the Audi should be just a it should be a dream. <laughs> like I'm sitting in the life of luxury compared to that luxury car. So yeah, I hope so. that is that is awesome. We'll have to uh, again. We'll on, I'm sure there'll be updates on the on the YouTube uh, for sure when that when that's all going down. But yeah, I've seen some of the videos on that Audi, and, and it's that same kind of thing where it's it's funny how in the car community there's cars that only people in the car community think are cool. Um, my buddy is big into diesel Rangers, like from the eighties, made them for like three years. They make no power and he's a fanatic. Like he's, we've, we've done stupid things to go get these diesel Rangers for him. And it's the same thing. We talked to guys and they're like, wait, what, what did they do? I'm like, well, for like two years and they made like a hundred of them, they made these diesel Rangers. And now we have to drive to Louisiana and back in the day to go pick one up. So that way he can say he bought a $400 one that was quote unquote rust free. But yeah, um, I think that's. That that'll be a cool uh, that'll be a cool see, a thing to see if you um, kind of repeat that cannonball run in that Audi. So what else uh, are, do you see with like with the Vinwicky thing? We'll, get, we'll kind of get back to that. Is that kind of where you like where where do you see that like the next step for that? Continuing to build the app, or is it you know using like through what you built with the YouTube channel, kind of incorporating that more into all of it? Well, fortunately, it you know they're kind of symbiotic at this point. Mm-hmm. So you know we we encounter a lot of cool car stories. And we end up with a lot of uh, great traffic towards the app from the channel and the views. Mm-hmm. So it's been just an amazingly fortuitous marketing strategy and something that we enjoy. So it's been great to kind of immortalize more and more of the success. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to keep them both going. Cool, cool. Well, I mean, I, was just, I just didn't know, you know, five years down the road where do you want to see, you know, kind of, what you're looking at with like with VinWiki and all of that, but I mean, as, as you said, you you've gained up went from five thousand subscribers the first year to like eighty five now, um, yep. using all that, and then your your YouTube channel has exploded. You're kind of in that that bubble that you see a lot of YouTube channels go through, where it's like they start to grow, and then all of a sudden it's like snowballing. It's like over four hundred thousand subscribers now, so that's gonna you know just continue. And like I said, it's the content you have out there that you're continuing to put out and that you have put out is really good. You know, sometimes I found some YouTube channels that. You'll go back like a couple years on their stuff, and you're like, "Oh, what is this? <laughs> you're like, this is rough." Which I can't talk. If you go, oh, if you go, if we we don't like to catalog too far back in the podcast because some of our early stuff. I'm like, "Oh man, that was terrible." We did a whole episode on how bad the Field of Dreams movie is. We're from <laughs> Iowa. What is this? This is terrible. <laughs> it's just me making fun of Kevin Costner. But um, but yeah, I think that's uh, it's really cool. Uh, what's what's the next video coming out? If you can talk about it, or if you want to, do you want to wait till it premieres? That's fine. Tomorrow's just an update on the Audi. I've been Ooh, uh, l- okay. long in the uh, in providing people an update of how that's gone. Cool. Then um, uh, Thursday, actually, Arnie's going to talk about uh, meeting the guy that was the project manager for the R35 Skyline, the GTR, okay. and uh, so that's a that's a good one. And then 
what do we got? Oh, a, uh, a cop talking about catching drunk drivers uh, doing ridiculous things on Friday. So, yay, perfect for the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. A good, a good cautionary tale on a Friday night. Here, everybody, <laughs> watch this video. <laughs> Don't be, I like that you do that too on the channel. It's not just your stories aren't just like car guys talking about running from cops. The videos of cops telling stories of, you know, like crazy, you know, the one there was the, it's an, it's an ex Atlanta police officer talking about being in car chases and these stories it's like you know you don't think about the cop's point of view of like what he's thinking while these you know crazy things are happening so that'll be cool so we'll look forward to that um ed uh we're kind of wrapping things up uh just thanks for coming on it's been really fun we'll uh be in touch like i said uh if you're check the description we'll have links to the facebook group the the Facebook the the app I'll I'll find a way to do that if not I'll have Alex the the other guy on the podcast is an IT guy he's not here tonight but if I can't figure it out he can figure out anything and then um there'll be the YouTube channel so like I said I encourage you guys check out the YouTube channel if you're kind of like what is this and you'll you'll completely understand what we're talking about just watching a few of the videos and kind of understanding their style of just you know getting the car community up to date with where everyone else is at everyone else is posting everything on their phone you know. People on Instagram posting like every meal, you know, if you're, if you're like, if you're in a youth ministry like me, you know, your youth kids, you don't know if they did devos, but they took their picture. So they had to have done it. You know, it's, <laughs> so you kind of see that whole side of things. So it's kind of the same thing now with cars, where if you see a cool car and, you know, maybe not in your area for us here in Iowa would be like, maybe we should have one for tractors, but, <laughs> um, it's definitely really cool. So Ed, thanks again for coming on. We'll be in touch. Uh, This is uh, Bibster and the Ginger Podcast. You know how we finish things off. Bye.